Well, take your Bible tonight and turn to Acts chapter 28, if you would, please. Acts 28, we're in the last chapter of the book of Acts. A church for his name, a two-year study of the book of Acts as we've made our way. It's been an exciting book, an insightful book. Luke writing to Theophilus, encouraging him to be active in soul winning because he's believed the right message. And look how God has blessed the message. Well, look how God has blessed the message, the fact that we're here tonight. So Acts 28, let's pick up the reading tonight. We're covering quite a few verses, um, and so I hope it'll be a blessing to you. I'm, I'm calling the message tonight, God's aim for your life. Just to capitalize on our Taking Aim Sunday, God's aim for your life. God's aim for your life. It says, and after three months, verse 11, I'll tell you that. <laughs> after three months, we uh, departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux, and landing at Syracuse, not New York, mind you, but <laughs> landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to a regium. And after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to um, Puteoli. How was that? Pretty good? You impressed with the Italian there? Puteoli. Kind of like ravioli, only a little different, Puteoli. Verse 14, where we found brethren, we found brethren, were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from thence, uh, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God. Watch this now. When he saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When he saw these believers, he'd never met them. He wrote to them, Romans, but he never met them. But when he was around them, he thanked God and took courage. All right, verse 16. And when we came to Rome, that's quite a statement. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, but, or sorry, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you. Because that, watch this now, look at this next part. He says to these lost Jews, he says, for the hope of Israel. For the hope of Israel. In other words, for your hope. For the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither 
any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Notice verse 23, And when they had appointed him a day, there came many unto him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. And he quotes from Isaiah 6, watch this. He says, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And we'll stop our reading there tonight and save the last two verses for one more sermon. One more sermon out of the book of Acts. But tonight I want you to consider God's aim for your life. God's aim for your life. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated tonight. We'll get into the message. Good to have uh, Tyler Prater and Jenny Lee here tonight. It's a blessing. Just looked out and saw them. He preached at the uh, men's recharge up in Kansas, and I heard that was a real blessing. <clears throat> Today we've tried to emphasize uh, taking aim, adults in ministry, I'm a firm believer, of course, that God has something for every believer to do. He's gifted you, He's called you, He's saved you, He saved you to serve, and He wants you to be involved. You know, when we think about God's will, oftentimes we think about, well, I want to know what God wants me to do, like ultimately or down the road. We think about young people praying about God's will, and that's right, you ought to pray about God's will, and I believe He is the Lord of the harvest, and He told us to pray into the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. And since he is the Lord of the harvest, he can send forth laborers into his harvest and show a person what they're supposed to do. But here's what I found to be true. It sure is a lot easier to steer a moving vehicle than one that's sitting still. What do you think of that? It's easier to steer a moving vehicle than one that is sitting still. That's even if you have power steering. You know, even if you're just sitting there, isn't it hard to turn that wheel uh, when it's just sitting still, but when you're driving and you're turning, you don't even hardly even think about it because you're moving. And I, I believe there's a principle there that for all of us, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Well, do what you know to be God's will. Here's, here's what I found. You be careful to do the what and let God take care of the where. You do what you're supposed to do and let God take care of where you're supposed to do it. 
Here we find Paul at the end, not the end of his life. He still has life ahead of him, but the end of Acts and the record that we have there. But here we find Paul, and what, it, what is he doing? He's doing the same what that he was doing back in chapter 13. You remember that? It's been a long time since we were back in chapter 13. But remember back in chapter 13 as he went to uh, the various places on that first missionary journey, Antioch, Pisidia, and, and uh, Lystra, and Derby, and those places? What, what did he do? He found a Jewish synagogue, and he went and preached Jesus. And when they rejected the message, he turned to the Gentiles. He was doing the same what? He started out doing that, what he was doing, preaching the gospel, and now he's just doing it in a different where. You take care of doing the what and let God take care of where you're going to do that. Amen. And that's why we uh, try to encourage you to sign up for these, these ministries or to be involved in a ministry so that God can steer and guide your life, whether that is in the bus ministry, in one of the children's ministries where you can get involved or here in the choir. Wasn't it choir special a, a blessing this morning? And and our hearts were blessed. In fact, the, some of the men on the missions committee were saying, Brother Jason, you need to have them sing that tonight, you know, because that was a blessing. And, and uh, you know, there's people that work in various parts of the church on a Sunday morning, so they didn't get to hear that. So, Brother Don, we need to do that one again soon. That was really good. And, but the choir, you know, being involved there, what are you doing when you're singing the choir? You're singing the gospel. Singing the gospel, telling the good news, and, and encouraging people. And then church service security. Uh, um, uh, we... It's sad that we have to have that, but in our day and time, we need to have that. And so there's people that take care of our cars while we're out there, people that are walking around right now, and people that are embedded in here. You don't even know, perhaps, uh, where we have eyes and ears and watching, you know, and just, hey, listen, I want to run, run off the bad guys, you know, church security. And then uh, hospitality. Thank God for those that help greet people and give them a warm welcome here and People are more apt to come back if they find a, a friendly church. That, that's just for sure. And uh, those guys, men that work out in the uh, parking lot ministry, some of the, you're making the very first impression. So drive the golf carts nicely. Nursery workers, retirement centers, Sunday school ministry, helping uh, people there. Be involved. Uh, visitation. There's, there's new move-ins and, and uh, so many people that just live right around here, uh, fishers of men and shut-in visitation. Listen, there's a lot of folks that used to be able to come here for services. They're not able to physically now. So because they're not able to, then we go to them. And I want to thank God for those that come out on a Tuesday morning or other times during the week. They make hospital visits and, or make uh, shut-in visits and such. It's a real blessing. Take uh, DVDs to those folks. I always tease Brother Dean Howard when we go over to see him. You know, of course, they were so faithful here through so many years and being a blessing. And I said, Brother Dean, you know, you got a little bit of an advantage that people at church don't have. If the, if the message gets a little bit boring, you can just kind of fast forward through that part, you know, or skip to the next one. You all don't have that advantage. I'm sorry, but... In any case, uh, you know, people that go and visit, that's a ministry. That's being involved in street evangelism. And then, you know, one that we don't have down there, but I pray with Brother Bill uh, Smith this morning. We prayed for God's work in the jail ministry. And there's a number of people who go here to the Oklahoma County Jail and, and sit across the way from an individual and counsel them and, and uh, share Christ with them, both men and women alike, that go down there and share the gospel and try to win people to Christ. We've seen people saved. We've seen them here at our church services. We see them getting back into life and moving ahead. What a blessing. Thank God for that. There's hope. There's hope. 
And then uh, another ministry that I, we don't have on there, but the harassment ministry. There are some that have the harassment ministry. We're talking about that in the men's prayer meeting this morning. We have some good leaders of the harassment ministry. People that like to give their pastor a hard time. And that, that's good. See, it's all part of it. It's a blessing. Okay. So now everybody's going to sign up for that one, right? So, yeah. Great. Be involved. Be involved. I'm convinced that there's a place of divine appointment for your life. There's a place of divine appointment. I believe there's a place of divine appointment right here where you're supposed to serve the Lord while you're here. And it may be that God says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. But while you're here, give it your all. Get involved. Serve the Lord. Be involved in the propagation of the gospel, the distribution of the gospel. And, and maybe take a missions trip. Take a vacation to go and see missionaries, as many members of this church have done along the way. This is, these are wonderful ways. The, the simple point I want to make here up front is simply this. Be involved and let God move you along. Rome stood in the life of Paul as Jerusalem did in the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus was always moving towards Jerusalem because that was the climax of the Father's will for his life. Paul was constantly, ever since chapter number 19, as we were studying there in the, in the book of Acts, he's constantly been moving towards Rome. Jesus has assured him and he's been assured along the way that, yes, you most definitely will stand in Rome in Caesar's presence and to give a witness. And God opened up a door for Paul that he never could have opened for himself, even there in Rome. And certainly what we see here in the book of Acts chapter 28 is the fulfillment of Acts, Acts 1, 8, going to its ultimate fulfillment to the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth at this point, Rome stood as the hub, you know, of all civilization. And so it was in Rome that Paul wanted to go and where God wanted him to go. That was his aim in life because it was God's aim for his life. Now, here's, here's what I want to deal with tonight. Out of this text, just to make a few observations. What happens when you follow God's aim for your life? What happens when you follow God's aim for your life? You want to follow God's aim for your life, God's goal, God's will. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could say that. You want to follow God's will for your life? I believe we all do. We ought to. I want to follow God's will, God's aim for my life. And so what happens here? How about we just make a few observations here tonight and see what happens when a man or a woman follows God's aim for the life. I just want to point out three observations here this evening. Number one, when you follow God's aim for your life, here, this is youth night. This is perfect. You want to follow God's aim for your life, young people. Here's what will happen. When you follow God's aim for your life, number one, he brings people into your life who will be a great source of encouragement. Those of you that have been trying to follow God's will for your life, would you say amen to that? That when, when I've tried to follow God's will for my life and be where God wants me to be, along the way, God gives me people who will be an encouragement. That's what Paul had here as he came to these places in, in his travel and, of course, the people of Malta, but then also not just that, but as he comes now to the area of Italy and, and uh, the cities where he came to there that we mentioned earlier and, and how the number of Christians came out to greet him. And evidently there was a good number of them, and evidently there were a good number of Christians in Rome. 
by the fact that he wrote the letter to them, by the fact that uh, back 10 years prior, according to chapter 18, there was a confrontation in the Jewish synagogue uh, between Christians and uh, Jews there. And so the edict of Claudius said, uh, Jews are to leave and Jewish Christians are to leave. And so there was that upheaval and thus, uh, you know, as, as we saw that in chapter 18, and so we don't have to go back through all that again, but there were Christians that were already in Italy. How did they get there? Well, most likely from the day of Pentecost and traveling there and the way that gospel traveled. So here's Paul showing up where God wants him to be. And here's a group of people that are just being a blessing to Paul's life. Look at it again, if you would, please. It says in verse number 15, And when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us. They came to meet us. And when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. He took courage. Now, why is that significant? Well, think about what Paul's about to face. He's uncertain exactly how everything's going to work out. He does know that he'll stand before Caesar, but it may very well have meant his life. Now, he's going to go on and live and have a second Roman imprisonment, but he didn't know all that at the time. The Bible says that he, by being with these believers... He took courage. He was made confident as he faced an uncertain future. Be, watch this. Being with other believers who were like-minded just charged him up, just encouraged him to keep going. Now, when you follow God's will, that's what God does. God puts you with other believers here in this church body. Let's just start right here. Thank God for our church family. And while we're here, we encourage one another. I'm encouraged to go on another day and go on another week by being around the believers here at Southwest Baptist Church. The kind cards, even the ribbing. I was kidding around, you know, about the harassment. That's all part of the joy of the ministry and being involved. I'm talking about all of us being involved in the ministry. It's a blessing. I shared with the Sunday school class, we're in the portion of uh, Philippians. I'm a little bit ahead just uh, trying to, to move that way. In Sunday school, we're in the, in the part where Paul likens the Christian, the, the Christian life rather to a race. And he's encouraging them to run and how that he forgets the things that are behind and presses forward to those things that are before. And, and uh, I found this to be true when I, I've just started running with somebody else. You know that makes a big difference when you run? I didn't realize what a difference it would make. I, I was kind of hesitant to run with somebody else because I didn't know if my pace would be enough to keep up with them and I didn't want to be embarrassed. Yes, that's called pride. Yes. Okay? Amen. That's right. And so the first person that I had occasion to run with was actually Brother Dave Hardy. And uh, I don't know exactly Brother Dave Hardy's age, but I thought, I hope I can keep up with him. Because <laughs> if I don't, I'm not going to hear the end of this. And so we were in San Diego, and so we ran together. And fortunately, that morning, he'd already run three miles, and we were going to run another three that evening. And so had he not run those other three in the morning, I think it would have been bad news for Brother Jason here, you know. But, uh, and two other individuals, Carlos Serrano, a Filipino young man, ran with us. And then another guy, another Filipino young man. And uh, I'm telling you, he, he was real skinny and such and hadn't been running at all and just showed up. And without any effort at all, ran three miles and talked the whole time. And I was <laughs> huffing and puffing. I was like, come on. It's not fair. But I found that when you run with somebody else, it encourages you. It helps you to go 
further and you can encourage one another. And I, I mean, even sometimes, okay, you're going to think me weird and that's okay because you probably already do. But I was, I was running even on, on Monday and, and I was just running around a lake over holster and such, not the whole thing. I'm not up to that yet, but run along there. And man, I got out there and, you know, just kind of by yourself and hitting the road and running, running, running. And I was getting tired. And are you going to think me weird? You probably will. If you do, then I'll get over it. But I saw my shadow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you, just running with my shadow said, come on, let's go. Like I said, if you can finish, I can finish. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Okay, my respect level probably is way down. This guy's weird. Ran a 10K just a couple of weeks ago, and just so happened, Brother Mike Steen was there, and uh, we—I didn't know he was going to be there, but we ran together. You know, Brother Mike, that really helped me, and. And uh, I'm not going to tell Brother Mike's age, but it's older than I. And I thought, I'm not letting him beat me. <laughs> so, but he, you know what happened is he's run more than I have. But here's what happened. I ended up running faster than what I normally would. And maybe the one I should. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking. We were talking a little bit. I tried to ask as many questions as I could just to get him talking rather than me, you know. <laughs> but then we crossed the line together. Or I might have been just a little bit ahead of him. I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But here's the lesson that I learned from that. When you get to a point where you're giving it your all and you're almost out of steam and you're just about to throw it in, you're just about to think, man, I don't want to go any further. This is getting so wearisome. It makes a difference when somebody's running with you. It makes a difference when there's somebody else there. I'd never run a race before where there's people that have the cups and they're cheering you on and saying, hey, you're almost there. Go. I'm telling you, that just fired you up and think, I hope I'm almost there because I'm not feeling like I'm almost there, you know, but just the people there encouraging you to run. You know what this is? You know what this is right here as we sing songs together and as we fellowship with one another? We are running the Christian race and we're saying this, hey, listen, God's got a name for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. Don't stop now. Keep going. It's encouraging. You're running well. You're going right. You're trying to win souls. You're in school and you're doing well. Don't stop now. Don't check out this week. Don't check out tomorrow. Run. Run. You've got other people running with you. You're working in the bus ministry. Don't stop now. Run. You're working in the youth ministry. Don't stop now. Run. You're working as a helper in a Sunday school class in the first grade and you're about to pull your hair out if you have any. Run. Still run. (laughs) Really, Gail, sorry. Just keep running. (laughs) We're together. Run. Encourage one another. Paul says, I'm telling you. And here he is towards, you know, this having been shipwrecked and being, being snake bit. And being through all these things and stoned and, and being, uh, you know, uh, beat with the rod and, and all that he went through. But he said, when I got around those believers, I didn't know what was come up ahead of me, but I just got around some other believers. And he'd been around, of course, Luke and Aristarchus and those men. And that was encouraging. But all I know is it says in the Bible that when he got around those believers, he took courage. When you're following God's aim for your life, he'll give you somebody that'll be an encouragement to you. He will. He sure will. People that'll be kind to your family. People that'll be helpful. Maybe just an encouraging word. You know, we talked Wednesday night about the power of words to hurt, but we could also emphasize the power of words to help. 
to help. I want to encourage you. How many times did Brother Sam, as he was our pastor, how many times did he encourage us as either we were leaving or during our fellowship times? How many times did he say, say an encouraging word? Say an encouraging word to somebody around you. Talk, fellowship about Christ. Talk to them. Encourage them. Express gratitude for what somebody's doing. Well, thank God for you and how you're serving. You see one of our missionaries. See one of our sent missionaries. I want to thank God for you. We're praying for you. We love you. We're interested. How's it going? And you know, sometimes you don't have to say anything to be a blessing. You just need to listen to be a blessing. Let's run together. When you follow God's aim for your life, pursue it, then here's what you have. Number one is that God put some people in your life that will be an encouragement. Number two observation I see is this. When you follow God's plan for your life, he joins your life to the greatest mission on earth. When you follow God's aim for your life, he joins your life to the greatest mission on earth. Paul called for the, the leaders of the Jews there, the chief of the Jews. And he explained the situation back in Jerusalem. I appreciate how he handled that. He didn't even take an occasion to accuse them, even though they were falsely accusing him. He just told the facts, and then he said this. Here's really the issue. And we could take time tonight. I have some other verses here that we could look up. But if you look in Acts 23 and verse 6 and 24, 15, he, he says it repeatedly. He says, it's for the hope of Israel that this is happening to me. It's for the hope of Israel. What hope? It was the hope that was a long hope. It was a plan, God's eternal plan. Paul is saying, I'm part of something that's very old. I'm part of something that is very big. I'm part of something that gives real hope. I'm part of something that can bring real change. And listen tonight, you and I are part of that same hope. The hope of Israel. Do you get what he's saying there? The hope of Israel is this, that God in eternity past knew that man would sin and that he would provide a redeemer. And that it would come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and that the hope of Israel would come. Messiah would come. And Paul says, the reason I'm going through everything that I'm going through is because Messiah came. His name is Jesus. They crucified him. He was buried. But praise God, he rose again on the third day. That's the hope of Israel right there. The hope of Israel. Every time he mentions it in 23, 24, 26, it's always, always in conjunction, always in connection with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the hope, the assurance of Israel. When you follow God's will for your life, I'm not saying that you're involved in full-time ministry like we discussed even this morning. Listen, ministry is for everybody that's saved. Everybody that's saved. And when you start winning souls and you start praying and you, you begin emphasizing and living for the Lord, I'm just simply saying when you start living for the Lord, you're living for the greatest purpose on earth. You're a part of something. We're a part of something that is very old. We're a part of something that is very big. We're part of something that, is, that gives real hope to people that live here in this city. Real change. Our 
country needs to be changed. But I'm convinced more and more it's not going to come through government plans. It's not. It's going to come through God's plan. God's plan. How did Paul do that? How did he emphasize it? Well, you see there he emphasized the word I, I love. I just want to spend just a little bit of time here with, with verse number 23. It says, and when he appointed a day, they said, okay, let's get together and talk about then. If that's the hope of Israel, let's talk down, sit down and talk about the hope of Israel. It says, and when they appointed him a day, there came many unto him in his lodging to whom he expounded and testified, gave witness, testified the kingdom of God, persuading, do you hear the urgency? Persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. I, this is great. Here's what he used. Here's what he did. As he is standing before them to present the hope, he roots it. His message was rooted in the message of the Word of God. That's what will never change. What will never change is the Word of God. And we can root our hope in that hope. I was speaking with uh, Brother Stephen Jones. He is conducting a, meeting, a ministry uh, on Sunday afternoons. We haven't said much about this ministry either, but on Sunday afternoons there's the ministry down at a place called Andrew Square. It's about 21st and Harvey uh, towards the downtown area of our town and such north of here. And uh, kind of a retirement center and then some others that live there. Just a very, very unique ministry. And so it's been going on for a good little while. Uh, Brother Mike Britt, God used him many years ago to get that started and it's been going on. And, and so any case, Brother Stephen was sharing this blessing with me uh, this morning, and we were talking about that ministry, and he said, uh, I was asking, how many do you have come? And he said, you know, some days we'll have two, and sometimes we'll have eight. When it really doesn't matter how many we have, because we're sharing the hope for one. I'm telling you, if we ran those buses this morning, and only one kid came in on your route, that's enough to run it enough because that they, they need the hope that we're talking about so he said you know sometimes two sometimes eight he said I got to share this funny story with you he said one time I showed up down there and it was a room full of people the room they use they meet the first and third uh, Sundays at about 3 30 uh, I believe it is and so he said that uh, uh, the, the room was filled well here's a married man going into the ministry and studying at, at uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College when he, you see a room filled with people it's preaching time and it was 3.30, it was time to start the service. And so he did, just like normal, started and, and preached. And that day he shared with me, he said, Brother Jason, I was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. The hope of the resurrection. Well, about 4 o'clock, someone asked him there as he was speaking and such, do you think you could kind of wind it down? We're about to start our memorial service. Well, they had an individual that passed away. And they were having a memorial service at 4 and had already kind of gathered there. He didn't know that was going on. He just thought, hey, everybody's here for this service. Isn't that great? And he gave it to them. <laughs> and how appropriate, and he commented on this, how appropriate that here they were about to observe a memorial service and he's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope for those days. You think God was in that? I believe God was in that. 
That's what Paul did. He reasoned with them. He took the Bible and showed them, and he started back in the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He went back there. He went to the prophets. He went to Isaiah. went to Jeremiah. went to Micah. He went to, all the, he went to the prophets. I don't know where all they went. It doesn't tell us that, but it does tell us this. He was there from morning until evening. You know what that tells me? That tells me we shouldn't get in a hurry in trying to lead people to Christ. There are people that have little to no Bible understanding. And, and here, listen, think about this here just a minute. Here were people who were Jews who did have a ton of Bible background, Old Testament understanding. And Paul spent from morning until evening with them. And we're going to show up to somebody's door and in five minutes... Lead them to Christ? Well, I'm all for it if they truly understand. But if Paul took from morning till evening, I'm not saying that we always have to take a real long time, but if it takes that, that's the point. If it takes that for somebody to get an understanding of what is being said, then by all means, let's take that much time or let's set up several meetings. But let's be very, very biblical. Let's be very, very thorough. Let's be very, very patient because leading them to Christ is not our job in the first place. We present the gospel. The Holy Spirit of God uses the gospel to convict their heart, to convince them that they're a sinner and to convince them that, yes, Jesus is indeed the Messiah and, yes, he did indeed die for their sins and, yes, he did indeed rise again and that if they would believe that, they would be saved. That's our job. We let the Holy Spirit of God do the rest of it. But I also see this to balance this out. Paul was persuading them. It's a very strong term. We don't flippantly share the gospel. I think we do it with great intensity to try to persuade them to believe. Well, here's what happened, just like it did everywhere else Paul went. Some believed and some did not believe. Before Paul let them go, he said, let me quote a verse for you here out of Isaiah. He said, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit said. Hey, by the way, Paul believed in inspiration, didn't he? Here's what the Holy Spirit said. And you know, this is a good point. I've got a note in my notes here about what a man said, that what the Holy Ghost said then is relevant today. It has relevancy here today. And so he's saying, here's what the Holy Spirit said about Israel back then. They will hear, but they won't listen. They'll see, but they won't see, and their heart is wax gross. It's calloused. Ears, eyes, heart are all are, are organs that have to do with our perceiving or, or receiving knowledge and an understanding. You know why they didn't hear? Because it's hard to hear when you got your fingers in your ears. It's hard to see when you got your hands over your eyes. They didn't hear because they didn't want to hear. They didn't see because they didn't want to see, and they didn't believe because they didn't want to believe, because if they believed, that would mean radical change. What was Paul preaching? I'll tell you what he was preaching in one word, repentance. He preached repentance, and they got it. And some of them said, I understand what you're saying. You make a convincing case, but I'm not for it at this time. And they walked away, sadly, to face the coming judgment. I don't know this to be for sure, but I just wonder, given the text, that he kept his door open and he reasoned with them for two years. And maybe some of those who said, ah, not now, they maybe came back. I know God leaves a door open and God wants every man to be saved. 
So number two is just that we are brought into the greatest mission of life. Number three, when you follow God's aim for your life, you ready for this? When you follow God's aim for your life, listen very carefully. God will use you to make a difference in a few lives, even though you may not change the direction of the whole nation. God will use you to make a difference in a few lives, even though you may not change the direction of the whole nation. Paul shared the gospel, didn't he? He, he was following God's aim for his life. The Jews rejected it there. And he said, I turn to the Gentiles. Well, does that mean that at that point, Paul had nothing else to do with any more Jews? No, the text bears out that he dealt with Jews, but here's how he dealt with them individually. By the way, Paul didn't believe that God was done with Israel. He wrote Romans, didn't he? And he said in Romans chapter 11 that God would want Israel to be saved and there's coming a time in the end times and about the Jews coming back to God. I mean, hey, listen, God, God's not done with Israel as a nation. In fact, even in, in Acts chapter 1, our study of Acts showed this, that the disciples came to Jesus and said, when will you restore the kingdom? Restore the kingdom. Jesus didn't at that point say, oh, wait a minute, guys, you got it all wrong. There is no kingdom. It's me. No, Jesus said it's not for you to know the times and seasons, but tarry in Jerusalem, wait, and you will be empowered. You remember that? Now we're at Rome, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. What Jesus is saying, it's not time for the kingdom yet. He's not saying that there's not going to be a real literal kingdom. He's simply saying this, it's not kingdom time yet, it's church time. It's time to call people to be saved, and I'm going to empower my church to do that. But he will set up his kingdom. He's the coming king. And that's clear in Scripture. And so Paul is, is emphasizing that, and so he deals with them as a nation. And he, don't you think, don't you believe that Paul would have loved that this message he delivered to them and that he, that he took time to reason with them out of the Scriptures, don't you know that it would have been a wonderful thing if the whole nation would have turned around and turned back to God? It would have been a wonderful thing for the whole nation to turn to God. But listen, just because the whole nation is not going to turn back to God does not mean that there will not be individuals out of that nation that can and will be saved. And thus he stayed faithful to preach the Word of God even though he may Maybe was not going to see the whole nation turn back. Would I love to preach a message? Sometimes every Sunday morning especially. I feel like I'm preaching to the nation. <laughs> Does that sound weird? Well, I'm a guy that runs with my shadow, so let me just <laughs> go ahead and be all the way weird. But sometimes I think, man, this message right here, I mean, I'm fired up about it out of the book of Leviticus or out of whatever other book we're in, and I'm thinking, this message... Because of my love for, for the United States of America, I'm going to preach this message, and it's going to change our whole country. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and think that. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and preach like that, because I, it would be wonderful to see that. But I, I realize that reality begins to set in, and one message preached here at 54th and Blackwelder probably isn't going to steer our whole nation. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. 
Do you believe that God could send another revival to America? I pray he does. We desperately need another revival in America. I would to God that there'd be another revival in America, but, but if there's not going to be another great revival in America, there could still be men and women and boys and girls and teens who trust Jesus as their Savior and God changes their lives and we can see their lives change one person at a time. You can make a difference. I'm reminded of that man that was walking along that beach and, and he saw the starfish as the tide came in and then it went out and it left all the starfish or a great, almost countless number of them just trying to make, it, make their way back into the ocean. And, and this man was walking along and he'd pick one up and he'd throw it in and pick one up and throw it in and pick one up and throw it in and throw it back in the ocean, pick one up. And the guy walked up to him and he said, Hey, friend. What do you think you're going to do? Like save all these starfish? Look down the shore here. There's so many of them. What, what kind of a difference are you going to make? How can you possibly save all these starfish? What difference can you make? And he stooped down and he picked up one more starfish and he threw that one in and he said, made a difference in that one's life. Made a difference in that one's life. There's two to 300,000 people who live basically around our church in this southwest area. Somewhere right in there. That's a lot of people. Are we going to see all of them come back to God? Be saved? I sure would love to see that. I listened to a message this week that was about the realities of hell. Hell is real. I listened to that message on my CD, and then I came in here and I looked at the sword, the sword Lord publication, and there's a message on there by Mike Allison, and it said this, hell is real. I heard two messages. I read one and I heard one all in one day. I'm telling you what it did to me. It stirred me up, saying, oh, dear God. Truth is that if these folks who live here in this area do not hear the gospel and trust Jesus as their Savior, they'll die and go to hell. That's the truth. Can we see them all saved? Oh, I pray. I, I mean, just the fire that's there, the desire is there to see them all saved. Amen. I don't know if we can see them all saved, but we can see one. That's Take right. a gospel track, give it. Stand there at their doorstep, share the gospel with them, and set up another time and come back, or lead them to Christ right there. Bring them to church on a friend day. Fill out a car. Get them here. Get them here so they can hear the gospel. Going out into jail ministries and prison ministries and, and into retirement homes and going on bus routes and working Sunday school classes and going everywhere we can to share the gospel so that some make a difference in some. You'll make a difference in some. You'll make a difference in some if you'll follow God's aim for your life. You'll get encouragement. You'll be involved in the greatest business on earth, the soul business. And then you'll make a difference in some, even if we don't see the whole nation come back to God. Take aim. Take aim. God calls you to personal ministry. Take aim. Some of you, God's going to call into the ministry full-time to be involved, pastoring, church planning. Take aim. We don't have, I don't know how much time we have left. Let's use every bit of the time that we have for his honor and glory. 
That's right. Father, we thank you tonight for Jesus. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the knowledge we have that's been given to us through the word preached. And we've been, we've been privileged, we've been honored to have that knowledge. And God, I saw as uh, some people came into Sunday school class this morning and others that came into our church services. And Lord, I don't know what their understanding is of the gospel. It certainly burdened my heart and want to see them saved. Lord, we um, know that hell's real, heaven is real, and the Bible's real, and salvation is available, and the Spirit of God is mightily at work. God, help us not to be distracted by other things. Lord, help us to stay focused on our Rome place of service where you've called us to. Lord, help us to follow your aim for our life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.